I just want to say right off the bat. Right off the bat. And I've never done this before. This isn't something we do. This is breaking the pattern. It's breaking the rules of the Movie Men podcast. Hmm. If you don't like this film, if you don't like Mission Impossible Fallout, if you have a negative review for this film, please tell me now because I do not want to record this episode. (laughs) I don't want to have this conversation with you. And I don't think I want to ever, it'll just be Carl and I now. You can, you if you don't like Mission Impossible Fallout, then get bent. That is my, I'm wearing that t-shirt right now. And so I just, it needs to be, it needs to be put out there. It's a little bit of a spoiler alert. I'm pulling back the curtain. You, right? You've it's a never positive done this. review. You've never done this before. I'm not going to say how positive. But I'm like in the mood to talk good about a film. And if you're going to come at me with like, hey, it's a 1.2 on the Richter scale here. On the, you know, even if the cottage was on fire kind of thing. <laughs> are we, are we, are we at least good to proceed? Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I mean, all right. I listen, I didn't give it a bad review, but it's not number one okay. of all the Mission Impossible uh, films. And that's fine. And that's fine. Yeah. And that's fine. Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome to the Movie Man Podcast. I am Peter. My mold-breaking, starting new things co-host is Brady. The A-Team. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't think you've ever done that either. I've never done it. You've no. done the and it wasn't a very like, good Carl impression. The B-Team. <laughs> Actually, it's pretty good. The B-Team is definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many formats I have to keep track of? Because, like, with you, I just say hello and welcome. Right. And then you say, yes, hello and welcome to the Movie Man podcast, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and um, and I prefer that. Like, I, for me, hello and welcome is just snappier because I say it quick. I say it mm. pretty much the same way every time, and I like it. I, I'm not saying I dislike the way Carl and I do it because I don't. No, of course not. Um, but I have to keep track of so many because with Carl, I have to say hello and welcome to the Movie Man podcast because the first time, first like two times I tried to just do hello and welcome, mm. he just said, he's like, no, 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 that's, that's your and Pete's thing. <laughs> and I'm like, but how? But good but, for Carl. I like that he just like wanted to break out and do his own thing. Yes, because nobody suffers except for me. <laughs> Nobody has to remember more than one thing except you for me. Yeah. Anyways, it's the cross you bear. Yeah. Yeah. So we're here talking Mission Impossible Fallout or Mission Impossible 6 or literally the last movie before we get our new release. Yes. Yes. Or also known as The Glorious Return of Ethan Hunt's Wife. Yeah, you could call it that. Yeah. Or yeah. you could call it, um, yeah, I don't know what you could call it, The Return of Superman, I guess. I you know. could call it Lost in Translation too, but you'd just be wrong. Like, it just wouldn't, you could call it a lot of things. But there is a spectrum in which you are getting further away from accuracy in doing so. You could also call it What Happened to Jeremy Renner. But we'll get there. Yeah. Wait a second. Right? I forgot. Like, at the end of the credits, I was like, wait a minute. Where did he go? Hang on a second. Because he doesn't die. 
No, he like he is literally just gone. I think because he shit? was in the previous film. Because he and Alex Baldwin had two, he, isn't he? Well, Wasn't he in yeah, two for sure? But I'm just saying, like he was in the most recent one before yeah, this. Because yeah, yeah, he yeah. and Alec Baldwin were going out for lunch and samosas. Yeah, Rogue Nation. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what yeah. the hell? We'll get okay. there. We'll get there. Yeah. yeah. All right. So if you're new. Uh, either just in general or specifically to our Mission Impossible <laughs> series, uh, we do these ones a little bit differently. We rank the films in this series based on eight categories. Those eight categories being plot, Tom Cruise's performance, the villain, the gadgets, the fights slash action category, romantic interest, supporting characters, and the intro sequence, which is um, everything leading up to and including the sort of spoil everything in the whole damn film while the theme <laughs> song's playing sequence. Um, and so we give each one of those categories a scale on a, z- a scale of... Z- we give it a score on a scale of 0 to 10. And uh, then we take those eight numbers, we average them out, and uh, we get our score out of 10 for it. Very we similar to the way do. that we did um, um, Gone uh, with James the wind. Bond. Yeah, oh, Gone with yeah. the Wind. Very Gone similar to the way we did the 007 franchise. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it sounds like it might be kind of similar to the way Carl's wanting to do the John Wick series when we eventually get around to doing that. That does so. lend it. Like, it, it does have a good action film. Yeah. You know, it lends itself to it. Like, it really yeah. does. Yeah, we're gonna we gotta play with the categories a little bit because like gadgets and stuff like that. But and Bond Girl and, and John Wick yeah, fit, yeah. fits. But yeah. All right, so shall we do it? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh starting off, I'll start off with mm-hmm. the category plot. Okay. I gave it an eight. The reason I gave it an eight was, you know, it wasn't it's interesting because it's not the most unique out in left field unpredictable kind of plot. Not at all. Right, just in terms of it's like okay, we're you know, this is a special espionage spy film and mm. there's some plutonium and you know and so on and so forth with the mm-hmm. with the plutonium. Mm-hmm. Um but there was enough in it that I thought kept it fresh and kind of set it apart from from what it could have been, mm-hmm. right? Prevented it from being too generic, too out-of-the-box, cookie-cutter kind of storyline. Um, be that some of the twists that happen that are over going to that are going to overlap with some of our other categories. Um, be it certain characters that show up. Um, I mean, I'll just say it. So, you know, spoilers this is a spoiler episode. Um, be it Julia showing up, and and the way that they were able to very cu- cleverly make sense of why she would be there, right? Because Walker has done that very intentionally, mm. right? He's just pulling at the so to add these different stakes to make it so that. The person who is helping us out 
throughout most of this film and kind of being a little bit of a pain in the ass because you know, we're from different agencies and our different agencies don't see eye to eye and so on and so forth. But for him to be the big baddie, um, that obviously is considered in plot and that I really enjoyed. Um, and I just, I just enjoyed it. And it, again, it fell into that like easy to follow even though it was complicated and there was a lot of things going on it was fairly easy to follow mm, yep and i just liked the number of because i don't know where else to put this i liked the number of things that seemed to go completely sideways hmm. where nothing was like whether it was breaking um What's his face? Uh, Lane. Whether it was breaking Lane out of prison off the back of that truck, certainly, even though Ethan and his team didn't do it the way that the White Widow had expected him to, even for Ethan and his team, shit went sideways. Um, <laughs> and so I just liked that it constantly, that we, I constantly found us in a place in dealing with the ramifications, or if you will, the fallout from things just not going the way that we had expected them to, right? Like Mm. constantly I felt like, okay, we're at point A and we know that after point A, point B is supposed to come because they've laid that out. That's That's the next step. This is the next stage of this operation. And then constantly it was like, oh, wait, okay, now we're at, instead of being at point A, we're at point A, point one, like A point one, because A didn't go the way we were supposed to. Does that make hmm. sense? I'm getting confusing. Yeah, maybe try, try and say it a different way. So there were a lot, I'll just give an example. So the whole thing okay. was like, yep. you know, okay, we're going to break him out of the back of the thing. You're going to bring him back here. And then you're going to go have that meeting tomorrow. We're going to drop this guy off. You're going to get your plutonium. Mm. And in your mind, you're like, okay, that will probably happen over the next 30 minutes of the film. 20 minutes of the film. Hmm. But then getting him goes so sideways that we end up like now, okay, now we're escaping from the police ourselves. Okay, now we're underground and we're interrogating them. Okay, well, now we've run into this situation where the CIA has, like, shut us down and we're working against the CIA a little bit here and they've, like, <laughs> shut out the lights and, and like, um, Hunley's got... Alan Hunley has been stabbed and, and it just... It, there were so many moments where... I, we ended up in a place that I didn't see coming, even though it it was a hmm. predictable synopsis. Yep, we constantly ended up in places I didn't see coming. Anyways, mm. I give it an eight out of ten. It was easy to follow, sure, but wasn't simple. Wasn't bland. Still had complexity, I guess. Right. Um, but it was still easy to follow, and um, and I think it was it was well done, and it was a big enough deviation between what we've seen in the past. Like, yes, there are moments in this where we're kind of working on our own, but it wasn't like 
this was a deviation from the last four films where the major plot point has been we've been disavowed and we're mm-hmm. on our own and we can't trust anyone and we blah, blah, blah. Like that wasn't really, there, there were flavors of that at times, but we, I feel like we broke out of the shadow that was this like but Mission Impossible com- trope. Not completely. Not completely. Though. Not completely, but it wasn't like the plot. It wasn't like, you know, what is like, if you, if you ask someone, what is mission impossible two through five about that, that every time that sentence is starting with, well, Ethan's been disavowed. Okay. Just when you're done, I'm going to refute everything you just said. That's fine. That's fine. I am done. It's eight eight out of 10. So I'm going to say, so, Okay. I don't hate it. Like, you're right. I gave it a 6 out of 10. Not as strong as you gave it. I thought it was decent. I thought it was fine. I just feel like we've been here before. And you're right. It's not quite the same shades as before. But let's let's just break free completely and just not even flirt around with that. And so what I took exception... You're right. Number three or whatever. I don't remember even the other ones that planned. I've really come to miss number two. And... This is you. You kind of set me up. This Mission is Impossible Two. Yeah, this is where this I'm going to get on. One. This is going to where I'm going to get on my soapbox. I oh. really enjoyed that one because for once he wasn't disavowed. He was clearly like it was very like a simple story where he was briefed at the beginning. You knew where it was going to go, and the twists and turns weren't so crazy that you were having, like, it was very simple, and, like, if you missed five minutes because you went to the bathroom, you wouldn't be lost and confused of what had happened. The so, whole what thing, I like about- Mission no, Impossible 2 is is a two-and-a-half-hour L'Oreal commercial. <laughs> listen, there's some epic things about two that, like, listen, the corniness of the time frame really speaks to me. So I think that's why I like it. And there's some epic, like, um, rock climbing at the beginning and some, like, iconic things that definitely boost it. But really, what, what I get from it is just that for once he wasn't disavowed. For once it was called in and have a debrief, not run and hide and do stuff in shadows and have everyone be antagonistic who's on your team against you and working against each other. Like you, there was a mission, you had all the resources available to you and you went and did it. And so I think, and this is a real side tangent. My point is, you know, you're right. Fallout was decent. It's okay. Um, Just, uh, you know, let's move on from some of those tropes, as, as all I would say. And what I'll just wrap it up with, and this seems like a good spot to go on this soapbox too. I just, I'm not disappointed with this Mission Impossible series. I'm so pumped for the new one in theaters, mm-hmm. specifically seeing it on a good screen. But I do wonder if just Top Gun 2 really set me up for unrealistic expectations, just because I was so pleased with that a legacy sequel with Tom Cruise. And I think just getting, I got a little hyped up with, you know, we're going to watch all the Mission Impossibles, watching Tom Cruise through all the years. It's not like James Bond where it was only someone for a couple movies and then it was someone else, like watching Tom Cruise throughout it. And I don't, like I said, I don't dislike it. Still excited. But 
Unlike when we did James Bond, where there was the growing pains, and then it really just paid off when we did Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace and Skyfall and and the new ones. With this one, like again, like I said, I'm excited, but with 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 the one in 2015 and the one in 2018 we're reviewing tonight, it's fine, but it's not breathtaking compared to you know it's not as much of a payoff as i guess i'd say but that's what i'll say for plot a six out of ten all right six out of ten okay all right Um, mission impossible two for life (laughs) tom cruise performance okay i gave it an eight i also gave it an eight Um, oh interesting so did i I, think for reference okay all right i think you know i think he's good all throughout i really do um Mm -hmm. Mm. There's no like super cheesy, lame, like I'm not into it moments. <laughs> um, and what really drove it home for me was was interact his interactions with Julia oh, and his yeah. oh, his yeah. crying and his remor- his apologies, mm. and is just realizing that like. No matter what he does, she will, no matter how much he distances himself, mm-hmm. she will always be in danger because of him. Sure. Yep. And so, I don't know. It's just like, it just stood out to me so much. I was just captivated mm-hmm. by that scene. Um, yeah. But on top of that, you know, it's it's just kind of some of the regular, like, it's it's just the Ethan Hunt stuff, right? It's it's in Alan Hunley says it best. It's Ethan's it's it's Ethan putting the life of one person over the life of many that sets him apart mm-hmm. and makes him the right man for the job, makes him someone who can be trusted. And that's what Zach Dykstra mentioned when we had him on for episode one was he he gets to this point where he just has that value to his team where he Mm. values it so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now we're seeing it. We're really seeing it. Well, we even see in the trailer for the new one, we've seen that right. Where Luther is saying, saying to him, he's like, you know, the, the, this mission needs to be more important than the life of anyone on this team and mm. I don't know if it's like a direct error or if it's like, I don't know if this is actually the response from that scene or if it's just trailer movie magic. Um, <laughs> but Ethan says, I cannot accept that. Hmm. You know, but no, it just, it was, it was, it was good. It was watching, it was watching his interactions with Julia. It was watching him pull off needing to be John Lark in front of the white widow, right? Taking on this, like, I don't know. I don't really know what like at any point I could be interacting with someone who recognizes, who knows John Lark's face and knows that I'm not John Lark. Um, but the way he, the way he navigates through that, the way that Tom Cruise performed in his interactions and the scenes with his interactions with Elsa and just like navigating that, was was so good because Ilsa, as much as she's an ally, 
in this one, she's also like messing things up. It's she's messing some things up. She's got, you know, she's part of MI6. She's got a different mission. She has Mm. a different directive. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just, I really, you know, this might be the film. This might be the film. I've been warming up for a long time. Mm-hmm. This might be the film where I've drank the Tom Cruise Kool-Aid. Oh, wow. And not I so just... much not so much in that I'm ready to go back and be like, ooh, Jerry no. Maguire is amazing, and like all these other things are amazing. But I think that, like, I don't necessarily know if it's, I don't know if it's a scenario of my exposure to Tom Cruise Mm. that is warming me up to it so much as it is my exposure to more newer Tom Cruise. Yes. Oh, yeah. I would agree with that. And seeing Tom Cruise really come into his own as an actor. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, yeah. Eight out of ten. Cool. I also gave it an eight. You know what? Might be the best Cruise so far in Mission Impossible. And I think I'm going to mirror a lot what you're saying, but it's not really, for me, it wasn't really Cruz himself. It was seeing him with Michelle Monaghan. Yeah. Truly, I think with the things that I took away from this are, we just see such a deeper Ethan when she's there. So I'm disappointed it took us so many films. It took us five films, right? Because she was in three, in the, sorry, this is number six. So it took us three films to finally get back to that. And I was really expecting this to happen a lot sooner. Mm. And so I think that's just a flaw for the series for me. Just maybe missed opportunity. Uh, but it is fun. Not even fun. It is it is a richer Ethan when we see them together. And just as an actor, I really like Michelle Monaghan. She's really good in the things that I've seen. So it's, you know, it's not just the, as a character piece that makes Ethan better. Like it's her acting ability with Tom Cruise. And so they, they do, they pull it off well together. And yeah, like you said, him caring for his team more than the world, it really shows a lot of depth in our character. So an eight out of 10, I'm, I, I am happy with Ethan Hunt in this series. Cool. Cool. Next up, we have villain. Hmm. And for villain. <laughs> Rinse cycle repeat. Out of 10. I gave it a 10. Whole, get out. Where did yeah, you give it last time? 100%. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I gave this a 10. Well, I but really you did. should, like, that's a very relevant question. Like, did he get better or worse for you? Well, not worse, oh, I don't but know. did he get better? I don't know. Because it's the same guy. It's the same same dude. The villain? Oh, no. See, no, 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 no. As villain, I'm counting Henry Cavill. Oh, true. Yeah. Oh. Lane so is I'm- a pl- Lane is, is mm. a supporting character. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh. Really? Oh. John, John Lark. August Walker is the villain. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. I yeah. Think, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I think I'm counting the, Sean Harris as the villain again. Yeah. No, he's a supporting character. Oh, he's see. someone who we break out and he's there. He's kind of an auxiliary. He's an yeah. auxiliary villain. But yeah. like the final showdown. The hmm. guy who's who's fronting the bill for all of this, right, is John Lark. Yeah, yeah. So Henry Cavill, I give it a ten. I like. There's the whole two sides of it thing, the double agent sure. aspect of it. 
that is really phenomenal and exciting um, and is so well done. There's the fact that it's just Henry Cavill, mm-hmm. right? And he's yep. phenomenal in this role. Mm. There's the not a super complicated motivation for what he's doing, but enough of a motivation. It's not just like, oh, super bad guy doing super bad guy things, right? He's got mm. a belief system. Yep. Which is that he's he's going that his actions are going to bring people together. He's he's providing a cleansing is what he's doing. Right? And so there's all that and then there's just like the interactions between him he, like he's just maniacal. Like the moment yeah. in the elevator where he holds up the picture of Julia to Ethan and flips the tables, turns the chessboard, whatever you want to call it, and just says, if I see you again, she's dead. If you warn her, she's dead. Right? And that, to me, was so, like, there's so many, oh, shit, moments in this film. But that was one for sure. And, And then just the final, and I don't know, this falls under fights and action as well, but, like, his demise... His ending with the super burned face and then the the hook with the chain into the forehead. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know, man. I, ultimately, I was like, do I want to give this a 10? Because do I think it could get better? Could it get better? Yeah, maybe. Quite possibly. Although I've looked at the villain, I've w- looked at the villain in the trailer for Dead Reckoning, and at least from the trailer... I'm not, I don't look at it and go, oh gosh, that looks even better than John Walker, than, mm. than uh, August Walker, John Walker. <laughs> um, and, and so ultimately, the reason I gave it a 10 was because I asked myself the question, is there anything I wanted from a villain that this didn't give me? Or mm. did this give me everything that I want in a villain? And the answer was yes, it gave me everything I wanted in a villain. So 10 out of 10 for Henry Cavill as August Walker, John Lark, the true villain of Mission Impossible Fallout. Wow. Yeah, I give villain a seven, and in this case, I was still considering Sean Harris, and I will for the sake of consistency. Um, I gave him a nine in the previous one, and uh, regardless of whether you consider him the villain or not, I, I do think I just had maybe enough of him in the previous film, and so even if we're considering Henry Cavill... Um, I, you know, I had, had a, uh, maybe I was ready for something different with Sean Harris or not have him, you know, be in this role that he was in, whether he was the main villain or not, but it wasn't bad, just not as profound or as impactful as it was in the previous one for me. So I went from a nine in the last one to a seven in this one, but I will agree. Henry Cavill or Caval or Cavill or Naval or he was good. Uh, you've, in this. you've gotten it wrong on everyone. So <laughs> Cavill. <laughs> Careful. Like gravel. Cavalcade. Like gravel. Gravel, but with a C. Cavill. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay, moving on to gadgets. I gave this one a seven. It comes down a little bit from my, is my lowest score so far. And they're just, ultimately just because there wasn't that many of them. No, we're not getting that many anymore. We got the remote control car. 
We had some, just of note, we had some pretty cool ones in Mission Impossible 2. Yes, yes. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> amazing. Yep. Yeah, those glasses at the end that he like throws off towards the camera, all 3D like is badass. Um, no. So <laughs> we got the remote control car at the beginning, which was fun. It was a fun scene. Cause Ethan's like, Benji, get the car. And Benji's like, I don't know if I can. And he's like, <laughs> Benji get the car. And Benji's like, oh, right, that thing's remote controlled. <laughs> and so then he does the remote control car thing. So that was fun. Um, there is the the mission delivery at the beginning of this one, which, what was the device it was in? Ooh. Oh, it was in... Um, oh, hang on. This is gonna, this is gonna, this is gonna, this is gonna, hang on. <laughs> This is gonna because he's sitting there at the desk. Yeah, the dream happens. I've pulled the movie <laughs> up here. The dream happens, which is crazy. Um, oh, it's in a book. Yeah, it's in a book. Oh, yeah, it's in a. It's in Homer's Odyssey, a copy of Homer's Odyssey. Right. Okay. Right. And so you get that, and it comes up, and it projects the whole thing onto the wall, and so that's. You know, kind of, kind of super cool. We get badass mask technology. The masks in this one yep. are yep. are very good. Like, very, like not just like you know, not just like oh, they're well done, but they're well utilized. The masks make several appearances in this. They're a little, more, little more central focus on the masks this time around, and I love the masks, and mm. I love the fact that part of no matter how realistic the effects or the visuals in a mission impossible movie get i love 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 the culture that is us accepting that this rubber halloween spirit halloween looking mask goes on to a head the camera pans around and by the camera time the camera gets to the front it is the most flawless incredible <laughs> disguise anyone's ever seen and i just love that i love the like supernatural aspect of it no the otherworldly aspect of it where that is plausible and it's just the way it works <laughs> and you don't bat an eye at it you go like it's campy but it's supposed to be right right they're not trying to sell it in this movie anymore at this point they're like no this is the mission impossible trope it's fun that that that's how that works um so there was that gadget there's the cell phone scanning for the admission bracelet into the nightclub thing when right. they're initially looking for John Lark so that's kind yep. of a gadgety thing there's yeah. There's when they get the tracker, the explosive or not explosive, but when they get the tracker out of Lane's neck and they instantly, well, first there's the thing scanning for the tracker in his neck. Um, so that's tech. And then the second Luther gets it out and he throws it into the drone and they fly the drone off so that, <laughs> you know, the cops are thrown off their trail. That was cool. Yeah, That was really cool. Um, and then there's, although it's not a IMF gadget, there's all the stuff around, you know, the detonator and getting the key out of the detonator and the diffusing of of the nukes. Um, so a little bit lower. I gave it a seven because, you know, there's a couple of itches that weren't scratched. We don't get a repelling scene, really. We don't get 
laser watches or digitally projected hallways or, you know, stuff like that. Some crazy hacker exploding bubblegum type of thing that that I'm, you know, that really gets me going, gets me so excited. And I just like, I start, yeah, my mouth fills up with spit. When those things happen, I'm just like, oh, it's so good. But I gave it a seven out of ten. Not bad. Okay. All right. All right. That's pretty strong. I gave mine a five. I was in the middle. I the ones you listed were fine and were good. I think my biggest takeaway was the fake hospital. And I know that's kind of more a bit than a than a gadget. That's but the it's the opening sequence, yeah. Uh not was it opening though? Yeah, it happens before the yeah. No. Mm, sure does. No. Okay. I mean, I'll pull the film back up. I'll start watching it in here. <laughs> uh, no, wait. Am I wrong? I think you are. At like what to, point? I'd like to think you are. It would help my ego, but regardless, whatever it happens while you look it up, I I do I did enjoy the fake hospital scene. You know, at uh, there was a while where I was following it, and then you know, as the audience starts to clue in where that scene's gonna go, and then where it ends up, you know, it's fun. It has some payoff, and it's in the true spirit of the whole Mission Impossible vibe. And so, it, again, when they ripped everything apart, it really had a gadget feel to me, just because there were so many props involved and some tech. So, uh, that was the takeaway. But other than that, gadgets were fine. I gave it a five out of ten. Cool. Just looking. Uh, it is fake hospital happens right. It's the ending of the um, of the intro sequence. The second the fake hospital thing's done, the theme song starts playing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The intro sequence doesn't happen until sixteen minutes in. Oh. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Man. Okay. You so know. moving on to fights and action. This is an unmitigated 10 out of 10. And it's a 10 out of 10. Like, even if we ignore the entire rest of the film, it is a 10 out of 10 solely on the merits of that bathroom fight. That bathroom fight was incredible. I mean, as a side note, I feel the cleanliness of that bathroom was incredible. (laughs) Yes, but I was just grinning from ear to ear, so happy the entire time. It's just so well choreographed. Mm, Yeah. And well filmed. We're not doing like these constant camera cuts so that the actual hits are hidden and it makes the choreography easier. We're not getting shaky cam so that it feels more intense than it actually is. It is just intense and well choreographed and well executed. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it was so freaking good. Hmm. Like I love that bathroom sequence is my favorite scene from any mission impossible movie so far. Hmm. Hands down. It was so good. Actually, I'm going to make a statement. Hot take. Okay. That that fight that happens in the bathroom is my yep. favorite scene, fights and non-fights, in any action film that I've ever seen. Oh, wow. I love huh. that scene. 
I mean, all the power to you. That's cool. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, the additional action, we get some crazy motorcycle action from Tom Cruise. Yep. Obviously, we get the the space jumping sequence, the infamous space jumping sequence, um, where because August Walker is an idiot, he passes out and Tom Cruise has to go rescue him. And give him his own oxygen tank and do all those things. So that was incredible. Like I said, we get Tom Cruise on the motorcycle. We get Tom Cruise doing like some parkour shit over the, like when Benji's like, you know, go, go left. And Tom Cruise is like in an office building on the sixth floor looking out Mm. out a window. And he's like left right now. Are you sure? (laughs) Because he knows, like, he's not willing. There's no way Tom Cruise is going to say that's not an option. Mm -hmm. Anything's an option. He's going to do whatever needs to be done. He just wants to, like, are are you sure? (laughs) Because he really doesn't want to jump through this window. Um, So we get that. And then, obviously, the helicopter stuff Mm. at the end. Yep. Especially once they've crashed and we're kind of hanging off that cliff, tumbling down through cockpits and... Yep. And all of that stuff. Just fantastic. But like I said, the whole film, but specifically on the merits of that bathroom fight, 10 out of 10. Huh. Interesting. I gave it an eight. It's very strong. I really enjoyed the skydiving sequence. Thought that was really a lot of fun. And I think just the more... The more I'm watching these movies, the more I'm appreciating the Tom Cruise bits a bit more. So again, this is a plug for the previous film, but I was on a plane recently and I was looking up my window at the the wing and it was flopping around as it does in the wind. And I, I just like had this euphoric moment of like Tom Cruise hanging on the wing of a plane as we do in the previous film. Knowing that, like, there there was, like, a, a safety cable attached to him, but just the epicness of the, the shots are mirrored or matched with the epicness of, like, him doing his own stunts. And, uh, you know what? This movie was no different. The skydiving sequence was fun, and the, the, the bathroom scene was great. And, um... Great? Yeah. <laughs> It was it was adequate. It was try immaculate. It was again, you're thinking about the cleanliness of the bathroom in what is a uh, nightclub bathroom. But yes, <laughs> well, yes. a very Ritz nightclub bathroom. True. It's not like your Uncle Ben's, you know, dive bar. It's it's invite only. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, eight out of ten. Romantic interest. Hmm. I also gave this a 10 out of 10. And I'll tell you why. Why? Because A, most of the film doesn't have one and doesn't need one. I'm not against, I've said this before, I'm not against having a romantic interest in an action movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not even a big action movie guy. So I'm I'm certainly not an action movie purist where I'm like, ooh, keep romance out of my action films. No, no, no. <laughs> I got no problem with romance in an action film. Hmm. But if it doesn't need it and it's just going to be bloat, Mm. then don't have it. And most of this film doesn't have one. When it does have a romantic interest, not only is it Julia, who 
like, where has she been? Why haven't we, like, where? come on. Yeah. Stupid Mission Impossible. Like, yeah. come on. But also, she is used so perfectly. Mm. Like, her, the purpose that she fulfills in this film, not only as added stakes, added personal stakes for Ethan, but as the the bringer of the catalyst of the harbinger of conviction for Ethan and this conflict that's in him and this horrible like I just this emotional state and this constant these chains that are around Ethan emotionally, not only because he can't be with the love of his life, but the love of his life is with someone else. And despite all those sacrifices he's made, despite everything that's been done, she's still constantly in danger. Hmm. At which point I was like, okay, so, you know, I don't know how long you've been with this new guy. Like, I don't know if we're, I don't know if we've passed the annulment window. Mm. But divorce him, get rid of him. I mean, like, <laughs> if you, if you're in trouble no matter what, <laughs> then just be with Ethan. Like, come on. Come on. What are you doing? What dump are you doing, his, dump his ass. Yeah, dump his ass. What is he, a doctor? <laughs> Ethan saves the world. Like, come on. Um, no, but honestly, mm -hmm. I was so excited to have Julia back oh, and yeah. back in the capacity that we had her in serving the purpose that she served in this film, chef's kiss. Mm -hmm. It was so well done. 10 out of 10. Very cool. I gave it a five out of 10. I think... I think just maybe uh, this is one of those categories that I'm just not sure if it fits in this series anymore. And, uh, but I think ju just because he doesn't fall within the needing a romantic interest, like some action movies are, where it's just a cookie cutter, you know, character A meets character B. So I think what I did appreciate and what I walked away from this with, I enjoyed the clarity that was given, you know, and the other ones where Tom is, is sitting at tables and he's, you know, talking with Isla, um, you know, they're kind of bantering and kind of flirting, but I don't know what the whole situation is with Michelle Monaghan, you know, so I don't know how to feel like I'm, I'm, am I rooting for them? I'm feeling a little mm. cringy because, you know, Ethan just doesn't want to break to her. Hey, I've got someone else, but she's also like committed elsewhere. So I have just haven't moved on, moved on and I've got baggage. So, you know, we get a lot of clarity in this. Um, still, you know, we, we get the Michelle Monaghan aspect. We do get the richness out of it. They're not quite in a romantic relationship anymore. So, you know, I am sad that it took this long for her to come back, but I'm happy that she's here. I'm happy that we see those characters play off each other and I'm happy that we have that clarity. Um, and you know, I, I think just, 
I, I think what I enjoy about this is that we don't need a romantic interest per se, and he's just able to have relationships with women. And mm. you know what? There's something to be said for that, because we watched all those 007 movies where just everything seemed forced and contrived and cringy. And with this, you know, Ethan's a pretty solid guy. So. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. Okay. Supporting characters. I gave it a nine. Whew. Damn. Yeah. Gave it a nine. And I mean, Luther's as good as Luther's ever been. Um, I'm including Lane in this. Mm. And so I think Lane's fantastic in the role that he plays and serves. Obviously, we have Ilsa, mm. who adds that sort of appropriate. We spend a lot of the film not really knowing what's going on, what side she's on, why, like, what is what's happening here. Um, and so I like that. Uh, and then Benji. I mean, I'm, I, I, I just love Benji. I love Benji so much. His his ever his ever surviving desire to be in the field, except for when things get really scary in the field, like the <laughs> one line in this film where, you know, they're like, okay, well, Benji's going to put on the, the lane mask and we're going to pass Benji off to the white widow. And Benji's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. Like what? And they're like, didn't you say you want to be in the field instead of being in the van? And he's like, yes, but, Today, I want to be in the van. <laughs> like, yeah. So good. I really like Benji. Cool. Um, and then specifically, I really liked Alec Baldwin's character this time. Oh, really? Alan okay. Hunley? Yeah. Like, his yeah. death was so yeah. well done. I like mm-hmm. the moment where... There's, there's two moments in this film where, as a viewer, you're not in on what's going on. The mm. first one being the hospital scene that I'll talk about uh, in our final category. But the other being the one where they catch August Walker. They confirm their suspicion that he's John Lark. Mm. That he's the one that leaked the intel to the CIA about Ethan with the fake phone and blah, blah, blah. Because you believe that that's Lane sitting in the chair and that they've gone off to go execute this scene or to execute this operation. Um, And then we discover that that is Benji in the mask and that this whole conversation that's happened with Hunley and, and Ethan about that's it. I'm pulling the plug. I'm taking you in. This is over. You know, like, if you disobey me, then August Walker has authority to assassinate you. Like, enough is enough, Ethan, blah, blah, blah. That's all fake. And it's it's just, it's so, I don't know, it's so good because it's, they built such a camaraderie from where Alan Hunley was previously in his previous role to now being with IMF and the respect that he has for Ethan is so great. Um, super tragic to see that character die. Really unfortunate. Um, I think if anything, hopefully we see it at the start of the next film because we didn't see it at the end of this film. It would have been nice to see sort of a, 
a, a little glimpse, even if there was no dialogue or anything, little glimpse of people sad at, at a like funeral scene for him, right? Just during like a montage, maybe while he there's some narration of him talking about you know whatever, and we just see shots of a cloudy day with American flags over a casket, and you know whatever it is. Um, but I really liked I really liked his character in this one, so I gave it a nine out of ten. Um, definitely missing Jeremy Renner though. Now that you've brought this up, I I broke your world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna stick with my nine out of ten. I still think it's applicable for the characters that were there because ultimately what i'm ranking this on is the characters that were there not the ones that weren't right because it really we could go back and be like well you know they killed emilio estevez in the first one i'd love to have him back but that i like that can't hurt the score for me so nine out of ten cool i gave it a seven not much to say luther's back thank goodness he's back and not in a minor role love him Simon Pegg, always a good time. Again, what happened to Jeremy Renner? I brought this up to you. I ruined your evening. But, you know, not even a word like, hey, he's gone on vacation. Hey, he's at the beach, just gone. I also enjoyed Alec Baldwin, rest in peace. I feel like Vanessa Kirby is the poor man's Lady Gaga. I just, for some reason, I'm getting some deja vu there. And again, we talked about Michelle Monaghan being great and Henry C is a jerk. But yep. a, a 7 out of 10. Respectable. Respectable. Henry C, I like that. <laughs> I like that. All right, finally, the intro sequence. I gave it a 9. I gave it a 9. That fake hospital room scene is so good. And is everything that you want from a Mission Impossible intro thing, right? That moment where, and it's kind of like a callback to the first one, right? Where the thing was faked and the mask comes off and blah, blah, blah. And and this was no different. The walls come down. It's not really a hospital. It's a fake news report. And we've got the information we need. Oh, so good. That coupled with the dream of of Lane being the minister at him and Julia's wedding. And it just kind of like, you don't really know what's happening at the beginning. Like, are they getting remarried? Are they back together? And you're like, oh, no, this is a dream. And all of the things that Lane starts listing off, like, do you promise to, you know, erase her identity and put her at risk and like all these things? That was intense. That's an intense scene. Hmm. And then obviously the the under the bridge handoff thing that goes horribly wrong with the gunfights and everything. Like it just, it was so good. But the cherry on top, the icing on the cake <laughs> is that they got the song right. Duh. That they didn't. No, they didn't. They oh. messed with it. No, hardly. But it was enough. It was enough, Brady. Brady, I am... Go on, I'll I'll get into this in my sequence. Please continue. It's modernized from the first one in the 90s. But it's not... We we spent six movies now saying you don't need to modernize it. Just literally copy and paste. I didn't think it was all that much. It was... Okay, listen... 
continue, sir. Like, I would say, like, a, a two-degree deviation off but, course. Yeah, it was enough. Whereas, like, much. Mission Impossible 2 is, like, a 70-degree yes, yes. deviation from course. I know. We're, like, heading into a whole different island now. Sure. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I was completely happy with the song, and I loved everything that came up before it. The reason it's a 9 and not a 10 is because we still haven't gotten away from this, like, all right, we're 15 minutes in. Now let us really quickly show you what happens in the rest of the movie. <laughs> I, it was so stupid. Mm. It's so stupid. I don't know. And there's enough films in the franchise at this point. Show me a montage of action shit that's happened in the previous mm. films. Don't spoil the rest of the movie for me. <laughs> But I still watch it every time, even though yeah. I know it's spoiling things, and I wish I didn't watch it, but I do because that's my job, is to <laughs> review this thing and to look at it and go, Ugh, you shouldn't have done that, Mission Impossible. Nine out of ten. Hmm. I gave you the six. You know, I, I honestly just thought, what the hell happened? It was Perfect in number five, and I thought wow. we're gonna have the same director. We've got the same thing, and I was it, when we reviewed number five. I was so pumped for the one in the theaters, and now I just don't know what to expect. I, I'm worried that it's just gonna be a little ruined for me, and um, yeah, not much to say. I just disagree with you. You know, sure, is it the worst? No, they messed with it a lot more in other ones, and that was a problem for me, for you too, but. We had just mastered it. We had returned to what we had loved in number five. And I just, in number six, I just head scratched and went, what are we doing? What, yeah, what are we doing, well, man? We really deviated on this film. We did. Like a lot. Okay, so final score. Yeah. And I'm going to do a little bit of a rundown here. Do it. Mission Impossible 1, I gave a 7.25. Mission Impossible 2, I gave a 5. Mission Impossible 3 was an 8.5. That's out of pretty. 10. Yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah. Right? Because that was the one where it was like, it was Julia. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It was like that whole struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the highest rated one up until this point. Okay. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol got a 6.5. Yep. Super yep. confusing story. Really struggled to like, well, what the mm. hell is happening here? Uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation got a 7 out of 10. Mission Impossible Fallout. The new reigning champion. With a 9 out of 10. Oh, wow. That's pretty strong. It's my favorite in the franchise. And I'm going to hmm. say something right now that you're going to disagree with, and sure. I wanted to save it until this moment. Yep. Mission Impossible Fallout is a better Tom Cruise movie than don't, Top Gun Maverick. Don't even. It absolutely is. Don't. Do, do not. Yeah. At least for me. At least do, for me. That's fair. That's fair. I just... So I am such a different human being on that opinion that it's mm-hmm. hard to measure. Yeah. And I'm so excited for Dead Reckoning Part 1 now. Oh, me too. We can agree on that 100%. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So what does how how do things shape out for you? So this is number of all, so we've watched 6 of these six. films. Yeah. This is number 3. I still give Rogue Nation and MI2 they were the highest ones. They're, they're kind of flip-flopping at one and two. And then Fallout comes at number three. I feel like Rogue Nation just intellectually is the best just because 
it checks off a lot of boxes. It has a lot of modern, you know, abilities that it, it flexes. But there's just something about MI2 that, yeah, it's a little rougher on the edges, but it had some core, core cool things. And um, at its core, it was just a corny action movie. And uh, I think just I'm a little lost on this whole being disavowed all the time. But regardless, Fallout is in slot number three of six. Good golly. What'd you watch this week, sir? I watched a few things. I watched, let me get that old Aparu open. I watched a 2005 film uh, directed by Terrence Malick, starring Colin Farrell, Christopher Plummer, Christian Bale, and a few other notable faces. It's a 2005 film called The New World, and it's the story of the English exploration of Virginia and the changing world and loves of Pocahontas. You know, I gave this a 6 out of 10. I think it's a decent film. It's interesting. Uh, it was the the period and the type of film that I was really looking into when I watched it, and obviously that's why I watched it. It's uh, got some interesting soundtrack moments and some really, you know, very Terrence Malick-esque moments of just long, drawn-out um, nature scenes with, like, orchestra, like, classical music playing and uh, some visuals and some color schemes that are some fun aspects and, and visually pleasing. I just feel like a bit more could have been done with it. It was a little bit rough around the edges and not quite perfect. Um, so that's why I gave it a 6 out of 10 and, and not higher. But it's definitely an interesting view if it's something that you're interested in. I watched a 1985 film on my iPad, which might give you a stroke. I watched Back, Back to the Future. And I gave it a 7 out of 10. It's a solid film. Classic. Iconic. Entertaining. Keep going. <laughs> An interesting standalone film that has a couple sequels. <laughs> keep going <laughs> i gave it a seven out of ten though that's all i'll say uh it's a lot of fun i really love some aspects of it i don't love it near as much as you and that's not a slight on the film i just know how much you adore this film but i definitely really enjoy some of it and i think that's the first movie we watched together so it's kind of got this special earmarked earmarked uh classification so yeah yeah we will we will talk more about that someday, I'm sure. We better. And the last thing, <laughs> the last thing I watched was Ocean's Eleven from 2001. You know, it has everyone in it: Brad Pitt, George Clooney, Julie Roberts, Matt Damon, uh, Bernie Mac, uh, a few others. I gave it a six out of ten. You know, it's got some. It's it's you know, it's fun. It had some good twists. It had some good moments. It's a bit aged. You know, you can tell it's from 2001 in the the, the narrative and the story and, and just the cuts of different things. But, uh, you know, it was it, it's a fun remake. It, it uh, had a, a sequel that was not so great. And then a third movie that was decent. But regardless, it's a fun movie. I give it a six out of ten. It's it is what it is. What did you watch this week? Um, I so I had been watching the Indiana Jones films last we spoke. Oh, you dog. 
Um, and so I think I'd watched Temple of Doom and Raiders in that mm. order. Yep. Because um, I was watching chronologically. Right. Um, and so I watched Last Crusade. Okay. Yep. And it's fantastic. It's pretty it's good, so isn't good. it? It's so good. It's yeah. so good. It might yeah. be my favorite of the original trilogy. I don't think you would be alone in honest. saying that. I don't think yeah. you'd be alone. Yeah, very good. And obviously Sean Connery. I mean, yeah. You know, I didn't really grow up with James Bond, with him as James Bond. So for the longest time, Sean Connery, like when I thought Sean Connery, this is what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Uh, then I watched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Mm. That's a rough film, man. It's rough. It's not. Yeah. I don't. I don't it's, hate it. I, I think it gets a lot more rip on it than it deserves. I think it's the poor execution of several solid ideas. Yeah. Is ultimately what I think it comes down to. Yeah. Um, we've yet to review, and we will. Mm-hmm. But I did go see Dial of Destiny. Oh, baby. Mm-hmm. And for the record, I've seen it too. Yeah. Yep. I think when we break down Dial of Destiny, I'm going to force this to kind of briefly, like as a prelude, kind of which is your favorite and which is your worst indie film, just to kind of set the tone. So be prepared. Yeah. Uh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> um, what else did I watch? There's one other thing. Um, we, uh, we've, we watched one more The Last of Us. We've only got one episode of, oh. of The Last of Us to go. Okay. We took a break. We were just like, life was busy and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I know I'm forgetting something, but I'm going to say that that's it because the other thing's just not going to come to me. It'll come to me in like half an hour. That's <laughs> how it always works. Um, yep. I think that was it. So wrap it up. And if I think about it, then I'll interject right at the end. Perfect. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us today. Please stay tuned for more movie news episodes, for more voting episodes, for more new releases. Uh, please like, follow, subscribe. Check out our Patreon. Check out our merchandise page. Support us in any way that you see fit, whether it be Patreon, whether it be just giving us a like, giving us a follow, giving us a comment. We love hearing and receiving your support in any possible way. And um, yeah, until next time, um, you know, I, I just, it's fun to think that we're finally going to be at uh, Mission Impossible 7. We're here. And then we'll have a year of purgatory waiting for part two. Yeah, it's, that's crazy, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and I almost watched, I know what it is. This is what's throwing <laughs> me off. Last night, I almost watched Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, but oh. then I didn't. Nice. Yeah. It was supposed to be an outdoor movie night. It got rained out. So oh, that's, poop. that's why. Because I was like, in my mind all day yesterday, I was like, when I talk to Pete, mm. 
I have to add this to what I watched. And so I'm like, <laughs> but then I didn't end up watching it and that's what happened. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Man, Indiana Jones. Can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, me too. Cannot wait. We're going to have lively debates. Not debate. I don't know if it'll be debate. I don't think it'll be a debate, but I'm just happy to talk Indiana Jones because it's wild. I'm having this kind of moment where like, this is the last time I will see a Henry Ford Indiana Jones movie. Right? Like right? new new in theaters and whatnot. Like it's, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I think it'll just be a fun time. So you should yeah. you should join us and not just the listener, but like you should you should come too. And what I will tell you, I'll tell you and I'll tell the listener. <laughs> the one spoiler I'll give you okay. is I have been spending a good chunk of time reading up on and becoming fluent in temporal Great. paradoxes. Oh wow. Really deep diving into like temporal Oof. loops and paradoxes and different mm. types of paradoxes and and I'm ready to talk time travel and the I've, laws of time travel. I've been doing a lot of research in hats, in fedoras, in brown fedoras, in different shade of brown fedoras, in yelling at people. Well, that's really all you need. Yeah. So Yeah. We've got all, we've got all done all the research is what I'm saying. So, listeners, show up and we're we're ready to we're ready to do to do this. Mm-hmm.